This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So, faced with the question, where did they go next with this podcast? The guys were recently joined by legendary musical genius Bruce Dickerson who's agreed to be the new producer of the Stack and Benjamins show. They were all excited to meet him. Hey, fellas, I'm Bruce Dickerson. Yes, the Bruce Dickerson. You have a dynamite sound, fantastic sound. I have only one suggestion. More cowbell. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're celebrating the opening of the world's first theme park back 72 years ago. I'm a huge fan of roller coasters. In fact, my favorite one's the emotional roller coaster that I get when watching The Bachelor. That scene from season two when Aaron chose Helene over Brooke. Come on, I I still get all choked up about that. But on today's show, we're going to help you get off the debt roller coaster. What types of loans are good? Which should you avoid? Helping us today, we welcome from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. And from this here podcast, the one and only OG. And from LenPenzo.com, say hello to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No, just kidding. He's saving his family from some bad people in a skyscraper. It's just Len Penzo. But that's not all in today's Friday FinTech segment. Hoping to teach your teens about money and the dangers of plastic? Today, we'll say hello to the founder of Current, Stuart Sop. Plus, we'll dig into the mailbag and spend some time with my amazing trivia. And now the guy who awards the rose on this show... Joe Saul Seahide. And the rose today goes to, well, you know, we got to do the same thing they do on the show. We have to wait until the end. So it depends on how much you three people suck up to me, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And we'll start in the desert where I'm hoping that Paula Pant from Afford Anything sucks up to me. Uh, you know, I don't know if I want a rose, though. I mean, can I be picky about the type of flower, like maybe a sunflower or... Uh, daffodils. Paul is like, I'll trade it to be for a player to be named later, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And at another hot place here in the middle of the hot summer, Los Angeles, California, but he's nice and cool because he's in a bunker well underground. It's my buddy, Len Penzo. Your eyes look particularly striking today, Joe. Thanks. We have the only shortwave where you can see my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Did that ruin the whole uh, field? Did I, should I said, well, I can see, I can feel your eyes over the waves. <laughs> it's a, don't you worry about, it's a modern shortwave, Len. Your Come voice, on. your sultry voice, Joe, is, is just amazing. Get with 1997. Haven't you upgraded to the video <laughs> shortwave yet? Come on, let's no. go. Wait, Je- uh, Len, can a shortwave broadcast through a bunker, an underground bunker that's plated in gold? Oh, Yeah. That is specifically... Especially if you have a big old antenna sitting up at the top. Right. Remember, Paula... Like a submarine. You, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got to get, Paula, the shortwave XLR7. If it has a 7 on the end, Whoa. you can get it from the bunker. If it doesn't have it's a like 7... A mega, it's like the Mega Super Doppler 7000 yes. or something like that. You know how they, yeah. they get... <laughs> no, the 5... I can barely get internet from my closet. <laughs> <laughs> the 5 series and the 3 series, Paula... Avoid them. Go with the seven. <laughs> Noted. Yes, absolutely. And the guy who I don't need the shortwave for because he's sitting right across from me here at the card table, it's Mr. OG. 
hey, I was thinking when we get done with this, we can uh, take a sail off to my private island. We could lay on the beach, you and me, and uh, maybe have a candlelit dinner. Maybe the rose goes to OG. I don't know. But maybe maybe the rose actually goes to Stamps.com. Thanks to Stamps.com for supporting Stacky Benjamins with Stamps.com. With that lead-in, why wouldn't they keep being a sponsor of our show, right? With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk to send the rose to your true love. Right now, use SB for this special offer. A four-week trial includes postage and a digital scale. Head to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SB, that's Stamps.com, enter SB. Thanks to Stamps.com, by the way. And also thanks to Magnify Money. You save 450 bucks when you go to Magnify Money to get those things you know, when you walk in your bank and you just say, give me the best you got, that's nowhere near what they have at magnifymoney.com. What you'll find is, is that that brick and mortar bank might not be doing what you hope they're doing for you. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for more, whether it's checking accounts, savings accounts, getting your debt in order, whatever it might be. Their award-winning blog, also awesome, led by our friend Mandy Woodruff, who is a phenomenal writer and a great editor stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. All right, we're going to talk about debt today, guys. And I'm in all of your debts because you're here with me. So let's roll. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Did you like that, Len? Oh my God. Who's supposed to be wooing who over the, in, in this podcast? Good point. I'm just sitting here being critical of the type of flower I'll receive. It's like if I get that damn rose. <laughs> I don't want the rose. Our piece today comes to us from USA Today, as written by Jessica Dickler over at CNBC. We all need a loan at some point. Here are some of the best and worst loans out there. We haven't talked about debt a lot lately, so I thought this is a great time to get all of your feelings about different type of debt, because while debt, we don't want any of it, some debt is better than others. So let's start off here why don't we talk about the top debt she talks about in this piece, which is credit cards. Paula, what's your mm -hmm. overall feeling about credit cards and credit card debt? I think credit cards are useful in terms of uh, getting rewards, such as frequent flyer miles or cash back. And they're also helpful in terms of protecting your purchase. Um, so if there's something wrong and the merchant won't issue a credit for it or won't take a refund, even though legitimately it's a case in which the merchant probably should, you can always open up a credit card dispute. So you kind of have that second line of protection there as well. That being said, your past behavior is the best predictor of your future behavior. So if you have a history of going over your head with credit cards, getting into credit card debt, if you cannot pay the entire balance in full at the end of the month, then don't use it. The rewards aren't worth it. Yeah, Len, let's talk about that for a second because Dave Ramsey, of course, very famously says the rewards aren't worth it. What do you think? Play the reward game or not? Frankly, I do play the reward game, but I, like Paula said, I pay the thing off at the end of every month. And as long as you're doing that, I don't see what the issue is. I mean, I get some great trips to Hawaii every year on a nice ocean-based room. I mean, just steps from the ocean. And it's all paid for with my credit card from rewards. But that's because I'm buying a lot of things on the credit card, but I'm paying the credit card off. And so I don't know how Dave Ramsey can argue with that. Well, Dave, but come to uh, Hawaii this summer with me and I'll show you, Dave. Just but he, how nice it is to work with, to have, use a credit card. But Wait, did you just invite all of us to Hawaii? No, I invited Dave Ramsey, but Paula, you're, wel you're welcome as well. Maybe he's trying to get a rose from Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where the magic happens. Dave Ramsey, Len Penzo, that's, that's it. No, but Len, I mean, Dave Ramsey's point is that somebody's paying for those reward points, right? I mean, the reason they give them out is because people don't do what you do. So if you're talking to an audience the size of Dave Ramsey's audience, don't you think you'd be negative about reward points? Well, I, yes. If you're not going to pay off, of course, if you're not going to pay off your credit card, then you got to start looking at the interest that you're paying on your debt every month, add up that interest and then calculate your rewards. And I think if you do that, you do a little bit of math there, you will see that, yes, obviously the rewards do not pay for themselves. That's easy to see. And the more debt you have, the less chance you have of those rewards paying off. Oh, gee, one of the biggest things that Greg McFarlane used to say on the show all the time was that you didn't need a cash reserve because if you had credit cards, 
you could get through the short-term issue and didn't have to worry about it. So why leave money sitting at 0%? What do you say to that? I'd say now it's at 2%. So, you know, that's good. But back back up, you said something about not speaking to an audience as, as big as Dave's. Is that not what we're doing here? I mean, I'm kind of signed up for this whole thing because is there not enough listeners? Both Both listeners love the show. Both of them. Love it. Okay. All right. So the problem, I love my credit card points, use my Amex points all the time. And I think like Len said, if you're strategic about that stuff, you can get really good value. American Express has a deal where you get 35% of your points back when you buy airline tickets with it. But one interest payment, uh, carrying a balance and having one interest payment or one late payment defeats the purpose of all those points. And if you look at the average credit card balance is what, seven or $8,000 and the credit card interest rates these days are almost 20. I mean, you're talking about 1600 bucks a year, just in interest. That's a boatload of money. And it's all about behavior. Kind of like Paula said, if, if you're uh, not very good at keeping this uh, in front of you, uh, you got to pay with cash or something, but the convenience is unmatched. I mean, I just recently, Amex just called me a couple of days ago and said, we're guessing you didn't spend 400 bucks at uh, FedEx in uh, Luxembourg the other day. I'm like, you guessed correctly. They're like, no problem. We'll send you a new card. You know, if I would have used a debit card, they could have drained my account before I figured it out. You know, I don't pay that close attention to my checking account on a day-to-day basis. So there's some nice protections there. But by the same token, if I had 10 grand on my freaking bill every month, that was paying interest, it wouldn't be worth it. Let's talk about this. We all play the credit card reward game because we pay our balances off. I, in the next uh, seven months, I'm going to Germany and back for about 250 bucks. And I'm awesome. headed to St. Thomas for 35 bucks because of credit card rewards. Paula, what are you doing because of rewards? Every year I get enough frequent flyer miles to be able to take two people on a business class international trip to somewhere like Europe or Asia, or actually I would love to go to, um, I've never been to sub-Saharan Africa. I think that might be one of my next big trips, maybe this December or something. I'm not sure. Two people. I I accept you'll get the sunflower. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I told, I wanted a sunflower. There it is. How do you know? There it is. And I wanted the trip paid for to Africa. There it is. (laughs) Len, how about you? Yeah. Seven nights, seven or six nights at a excellent resort in Hawaii every year. And I'm telling you, it's in a suite paid for. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. Mr. Ramsey. Oh, oh <laughs> take that Dave. Yeah. Man, that's great. DR. Yeah. Uh, OG, how about you? I don't have anything planned. I have little kids. <laughs> I have millions of points and miles and I'll never use them. You know, you can get those points. Oh, gee. I could. You're right. That's it's set up in my trust. <laughs> Darn it. Wait, the other thing that I do that's much less uh, headline grabbing is for my business credit card. That one gives me rewards in the form of cash back, 2% cash back. Yeah. So I just apply that against the balance of my credit card. So once every three-ish months or so, whenever it, there's a a decent chunk of money there. I just kind of log into the account, apply it against the balance and boom. So there's nothing in particular to talk about. Like, oh yeah, it bought me a month and a half of web hosting. <laughs> right. or whatever, you know? <laughs> Why don't you have a headline about that? Yeah, exactly. But still, I mean, a, a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. So that's yeah. money that isn't coming quote unquote out of my pocket. You know what, Paula? We do the same thing, but uh, OG takes the points from Stacking Benjamins and just spends them. So, and I'm not bitter about yeah. that at all. Yeah. Well, and I'm not bitter about the fact that you got to lunch every Thursday without me. So, you know, <laughs> I love this. It sounds, so this is great for the Rose competition. Right. Uh, keep it up, right. boys. Keep it up. Right. Len, welcome to Passive Aggressive Radio. My name's Joe. <laughs> Bring all you guys along for the ride. Uh, let's talk about the next one they have in this piece, which is home equity loans. We'll uh, go in reverse order here. OG, home equity loans. What do you think? Well, it kind of depends on what you're using it for, right? Again, back to the credit card thing, a home equity line of credit or home equity loan would be great to consolidate debt if you needed to to free up cash flow, but not for an ongoing thing. If you continually are 
paying that down and then replenishing it with other charged up credit cards and then paying it down, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors there. I was talking to client or somebody from Stacking Benjamins, I think, that used a home equity loan for the down payment on a rental property and took the equity, right, that he had in the in, in one of the properties and applied it to another one, basically diversified that asset, so to speak. So there's a lot of good uses for it, improving your property and that sort of thing. Taking a trip to Hawaii and spending seven days, but paying for it with your home equity loan, probably not a great idea. Len, that means you're so, not probably- So I'm going to say 50-50. All right. Len, that means you're probably not going to Hawaii next year on your home equity loan. No, I'm not. And, and I'm with OG. I think home equity loans, the problem I have with the home equity loan, I mean, and it's a great source to tap in an emergency. When something really unforeseen happens, that's kind of a lot of money, then yeah, that's there for you. And it's low interest loan and in an emergency, you can tap it. But I would limit it, like OG said, mainly to putting the money to things, improving your house, if you're going to do that. Uh, pretty much anything other than that, I'm against it, unless it's a total emergency, like a medical condition or something that you have to pay for. Just because, you know, your home, you're putting your home at risk, right? You, and when you consolidate, for example, your credit cards, that home equity loan is secured by your house, whereas the credit card debt, not so much. So that that's kind of, you know, you got to be really careful there. Yeah, that's definitely the trade-off. And Paula, on that point too, also this year, another negative of home equity loans is they're not going to be tax deductible next year. I would never make a decision about a loan based on tax consequences. I mean, make the best decision that fits your situation. And then if it has tax advantages, take advantage of them. But don't let the tail wag the dog. Don't make decisions about X versus Y based purely on the taxes alone. What do you think about home equity loans in general, though? If you're using them to buy a rental property, I love them. For anything other than a rental property, I'm, I would need to be convinced of the reason. What do you guys think about this idea of people have a cash reserve and then you have a home equity line of credit that's open but that you don't use just in case worse comes to worse that you have extra money available? Is that more danger or is that a nice uh, ice cream on the top of the cone? I think that from a purely mathematical point of view, it could make sense. But behaviorally, it's a bad line of thinking to win into. Yeah, I think it's a big temptation. You get that home equity line of credit open, it kind of tempts you, especially if you're not really disciplined. You got that big amount of money sitting there and you're like, oh, and it's low interest and oh, it's right. it's there. Let's use it. So, I, you know, now some people will say, get it. If you think you're going to lose your job or something ahead of, you know, coming up, get a home equity line of credit so you can kind of tap that in an emergency. But uh, I, again, even that, I'm just kind of leery. That's why I prefer that, Len, you take out a home equity loan and I use it. That's, <laughs> that's like the best, best. You math. know what? Just for today, Joe, maybe I'll let you do that if it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to earn me oh, that nice. rose. And he goes for the rose. Good looking. Paula had it with the trip to Africa. Len offers me a free home equity line of credit. I got, lot, got lots of equity, Joe. Lots of equity. This is the best episode of this nice. show ever. <laughs> Uh, next up is personal loans. And Len, you haven't gone first yet. Personal loans, what do you think? Well, I guess there's two types of personal loans, right? There's the kind like the online lenders like Prosper that you can go to. Those are more formal. And then you can always go to a, the other personal loan, which is friends and family, which is maybe that has its own issues. Now, I will say the personal loans, I would put those in terms of interest payments kind of in between the uh, – the credit cards and the home equity loans. But uh, yeah, I guess that's a way to go if you need a loan. I, I'm just, um, I don't know, Joe. It's, it's, uh, why do you put them ahead of credit? Yeah, why do you put them ahead of credit cards? Lower interest rate. I think you get a lower interest rate with a personal, with but, a personal loan. But what if you get like that 0% promotional offer on a credit card? Yeah, but those are now, okay, so those usually come with a catch, right? So right. those are usually one, they don't last that long. They'll, they'll last a year. And then you got to watch some of these credit card companies because they'll give you 0%. But if you don't pay the whole thing off by the end of the period, sometimes they'll uh, backtrack you on the interest charges. I've seen that so, happen so many times, haven't yeah, you? It's really scary. <laughs> and and it, it, whatever the, the prevailing rate is. So, so that's kind of a uh, scary, tricky thing. So yeah, I guess, hey, it's another type of loan. And like I said, it, it's kind of, to me, it's in between the home equity and the credit card. Paula, pers my rankings. Uh, Paula, personal loans, anything to add? 
Yeah, with regard to personal loans, if you are going to take one out, I would say take one from an institution, such as a website that, you know, a business that gives them. Do not take one from friends or family. I think when it comes to friends and family, neither give loans nor receive loans. Neither a borrower nor lender be when it comes yeah, to your if, friends and family. If you're the lender, here's the thing. If you're a family and a family member comes to you asking for money, because this has happened to me in the past, and usually it's not an immediate family member. It's kind of like a third cousin twice removed type of person. But only loan what you're willing to not get back. Otherwise, uh, that you, there's going to be some issues. Yeah, but on the other side of the argument, OG, I've seen entrepreneurial pieces time after time say, listen, getting angel investors is difficult. If you're starting a new thing, ask friends and family because they're going to be more flexible. I mean, almost the exact opposite of Paula's point. Well, I don't think Paula's point was about, well, she can talk for herself, I suppose. But I'm with her on the don't borrow money from family, don't lend money to family unless you want to lose it or just consider it a gift. Now, an entrepreneurial endeavor, right, where you're starting a business and you're offering equity in your company or something, that's a different thing. That's a business proposition. You know, you, you may need startup capital. That's fine. But you're getting something out of that, right? It might be a good interest rate. It might be a piece of the business or whatever. But I think those are different calculations. The last type of loan on here is a 401k loan. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on a 401k loan, but just a brief, like two sentences from each of you. OG, we'll start with you. 401k loan? No. Paula? Don't do it. Len? Absolutely not. Especially if your your job is shaky, because there's another surprise. Let's say you borrow the max and you get laid off, you're liable to, you have to pay all of that back within 90 days or you will be penalized. Let's finish up here with your overall feeling about debt in general and about these different types of loans. Uh, OG, what do you think? Out of everything that we talked about, I'm not a big fan of any of them, frankly. You can look at companies, large institutions, GE, whatever, they borrow money all the time, but they do it for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, for a specific length of time and have a plan for that money. And if you're going to borrow money for an entrepreneurial endeavor, for investing purposes like real estate, that's the same thing. If you're borrowing money for any other purpose, it's just consumption and you should just wait. Len, how about you? I echo OG just saying I, I only tend to go into debt if for uh, starting a business, buying a home or education. That's it. Paula, you've got the last word. I agree. There's two types of debt. There's consumer debt and there's business debt. I would avoid consumer debt and only take out either a mortgage or a loan for a rental property or a business. OG, you ever worry about teaching your kids about money? I'm trying to do it now while they're young, but uh, yeah, a little bit. Well, coming down to the basement, we're so happy. Stuart Sop, he's the founder of Current, which is a fintech app that empowers teens to make the best financial decisions. It's a mobile app and debit card combination. You know what, though? We're going to let him tell us about it. Let's say hello to Stuart Sop coming down to the basement. I'm walking down the stairs. Stuart, man, how are you? I'm good, thanks. It's very cramped down here. <laughs> yeah, a little cramped, a little dark. That's because we're moving. It it gets uh right. It is it is not fun. But something that is fun is this crazy thing you developed called current. Tell mm -hmm. me this. Is current something you created, Stuart, because of a personal need, or was it you didn't see something in the marketplace or or you saw an opportunity? Tell me about the origin story. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, and yeah, I, I was a trader on Wall Street. I'm, I'm English, as you can probably hear, but I, I live here in New York for the last seven, eight years. And trading changed materially. It became uh, digitized and 24-7 and all those good things, a lot of automation. And I thought a lot of that would you know, roll down into the retail banking and most of people's uh, lives over, over a period of a few years. Investment banks typically you know, get the head start on whatever else we'll get. And on top of that, my daughter, who was turning nine, this year, I could see that she was a digital native already on YouTube and all the rest of it, and probably needed a little bit more help managing her money. As she was growing up, things have changed. We have a lot less cash. Um, we're going to a cashless society, whether we, we kind of like it or not. 
And I think that uh, presents new problems and new challenges. And I really wanted to get ahead of it. And, you know, hitting 37 or 38 and 41 now at the time, I just thought, well, now's the time to try and make, you know, a bit of a difference, a bit of a dent in retail banking in America. It's interesting because to your point, teens have apps for everything. And yet you look at things that teach them about money, Stuart, not much going on. Not much going on in the schools either, unfortunately. So as most parents will understand, the world at large from a very high level is very ch- is changing very quickly and, and money is changing just as quickly, if not quicker. Banks are struggling to keep up with the pace. You know, they're very lethargic in their, uh, in their nature for good reason. So there's definitely an opportunity in the market to, to really help parents and their teenagers access and understand money at a younger age. Well, let's talk about how it works then. So I go to the app store. I download the app. What happens? It takes a few seconds uh, to download that app, obviously, and we'll ask for, you know, a few fields of personal details just to validate and make sure it's you who's signing up. Uh, That's one of our fraud prevention measures. Once you've uh, downloaded the app, we'll send you the card in your, uh, we'll ask for your teenagers, if you have more than one, personal details. They'll have a personalized card, Visa debit card with an EMV chip, you know, chip and pen, that they'll uh, be sent to your house. It takes seven to 10 business days. So they'll be very excited about getting that. And in the meantime, you can flick through the app and you'll see your children on there and you'll have a whole plethora of bells and whistles for which you can uh, choose your parenting options. Now, we have spending limits, ATM withdrawal limits, um, merchant blocking, category blocking and limits. And so really, it's a, it's a parental toolbox, as I call it. Some parents will never touch these things and others will, will, be, uh, will be knee deep in uh, the bells and whistles. And once your young adult gets the, the card and mail, you'll be able to um, collateralize the, the account by connecting your bank account. Uh, you can do one-off deposits like a top-up or you can set uh, schedule transfers um, like an allowance or you could even set chores and tasks. You can set a monetary value of maybe even uh, mowing the lawn. Now, I'm under no illusion that some parents will be saying, hey, you know, we don't earn money for doing earning our keep in our house. And, that, and that's a very common feedback that we get. But depending on the household and depending on how you like to parent, um, you're able to incentivize good behavior around the house, really changes the conversation in the household with those young adults. And then they can uh, use that card and their app to manage their balance. Obviously, when they swipe, you get notifications. They get notifications on, on where they've swiped and uh, on the balance. The cards attached to that first wallet, segmentation of a checking account effectively. And we've got roundups, which enables the teenager, every time they spend, you can round up to the nearest dollar, sort of a budgeting aspect to the bank account, and also savings goals for those slightly larger purchases. Also, they can give to any charity of their choice, church, synagogue, mosque, whatever it is, local or national cause, so that you can teach them good social behavior. That's really cool. I'm going to go right back to the beginning, Stuart, and ask you a question that I know there's some parents asking, which is, why does my kid need a debit card? And it's funny because I can even kind of answer that myself, which (laughs) is kids never see cash anymore. Like I think a lot of parents think that, you know, when they were kids, they had cash. Kids never see cash anymore. I think we got to start with a debit card when they're young. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one of these big trends that one of the reasons why we started Current was because we saw this big trend of digitization of money. Cashless society is coming. Now, we're certainly picking up less of it. You're seeing, you know, merchants in big, large metro areas sort of saying no cash here and no one except cards. That's nothing to do with crime or anything like that. That's more to do with card on file and data. Um, Merchants nowadays want to give you the best experience and make sure that they can really give the best value. And cards are the best way for them to do that. So there's that force in the market. And so you're seeing that side, but also for parents. I mean, which parent hasn't stolen a little or borrowed a little cash from their uh, their kid's uh, piggy bank to pay the pizza guy or the tip <laughs> or whatever? We have less and less cash on us. And also the teens now, you know, which is a, a hot debate, um, have a mobile phone at sort of 10, 11 years old. That's the average age. The screen time debate is big and one I, I don't want to wade into, but having access to their phone with their card, typically it's the parent's card, right? It's, it's the credit card. That doesn't really teach them anything. All of a sudden, they assume that the money is endless. You know, it's not their credit, really. Now, with a current card, when it's loaded onto the phone, you can actually see where they're swiping, where they're spending online in those in-app games and those purchases, as well as iTunes, Spotify, and Netflix. And they can start to budget about the services and products that they think that they want instead of bugging you for things that they think they want. 
I kind of see this as a two-step system. I have current with my teenager and then maybe a discussion, I don't know, once a week, once a month, where we kind of review their transactions together. And it seems like, I guess, uh, Stuart, this is a conversation facilitating tool. That's exactly right. You've hit the nail on the head there, Joe. Philosophically, we started current from the ground up facilitating difficult conversations. Now, it's already hard enough to have some of those conversations when they're teenagers, let alone when money is thrown into the mix. And so really, we focused on having the, the most seamless, best experience for parent and teenager so that they can start to talk about what's right and wrong and what's expected of them in terms of budgeting, in terms of where they swipe and where they spend and, and what they're meant to do. And really, it's like this environment that can be expanded as they get older and you can start to loosen the reins as you feel more confident and comfortable, they can do the right thing. As parents, do we see our child's transactions in real time? Yes, you do. You can turn off the push notifications if they're too many, but um, but also you can see the denial codes and declines. So you can see when they're in a little bit of trouble, they're not checking their balance properly. Awesome. And then also, can I freeze the account if I want to? You can indeed. We have um, pause the card feature that you'll see on some of the major bank accounts. Um, we have that uh, built in um, that if they lose the card or um, there's something that you don't like that's going on, you can pause it at any time and no more transactions will happen. And like you said, either I can just move money over on demand or I can set up automatic systematic deposits into their account. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what kind of parenting sort of option you want to choose. Um, we see some parents giving one off sort of for birthdays and things like that, yeah. or they do have like a regular stipend that they, they try and live to. What we've seen is a, a change in behavior from parenting once they get the current app and card is that parents wouldn't normally put, say, some money on for them to buy their back-to-school clothes or their backpack and things like that. They would normally get their credit card out. All of a sudden, we're starting to see parents now entrust their teenagers with these purchases and start to give them some and empower them into young independence. It says on the site that uh, Current comes with a free trial. How long is the free trial? Yes, the free trial is for 30 days. You can cancel any time within that period. Pricing-wise, after that 30 days, we charge $3 a month for the first child and then $1 for each additional child. Awesome. So uh, the second kid gets a discount. So go have more kids. <laughs> We're trying to really help those big families out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my brother has eight kids. So I can just imagine, but that's, that's really cool. Let's talk privacy because obviously you're working a lot like a bank works, moving money back and forth. How do you keep things private for people? Absolutely. We, um, we have bank level security. Um, we're audited by the regulators as an extension of the banking system. We have a partner bank here in New York, uh, Metropolitan Commercial Bank. It's fitting insured. We also have software security and we have two-factor authentication that's become more prevalent to secure your accounts and also support for Face ID if you have, a, have an Apple phone. Gotcha. And then I'm sure you're not sitting still. What are you guys working on now that's around the corner? We are not. It's a, yes, definitely an interesting job. Um, we're launching instant deposits later this summer, meaning oh, cool. you don't have to wait for those pesky uh, wire transfers and ACHs into our bank. So in those emergencies, a Friday at the mall, you can collateralize or if that car breaks down or whatever it is. We also uh, really want to um, grow with the teenager and be their you know, primary bank account for as long as we can. And uh, we're releasing uh, routing and account numbers as well. On top of that, towards the end of the year, we'll have our point system and our discovery feed. Tell me about those. Yeah, the point system. We're really excited to look at how we could, and parents could incentivize good behavior. Um, also taking quizzes around financial uh, uh, wellness and, and literacy um, to really sort of re-engage uh, teenagers into the kind of behavior that you'd want to see. In terms of discovery, teenagers want to know where what everyone else is buying and where they're buying it and in their local area. And so working with our existing users and influencers to, to really explore what that could look like. That's cool. Adding, it sounds like a little bit of gamification. That's right. Yes. Without giving too much competitive intel away. But yeah, you're on the right tracks there. That's cool. Well, you got to come back and tell us about that when you add that also. It's called Current and you could get it in the... App Store and on Google Play? That's correct. App Store and Google Play, and we, are, and we work with uh, Apple Pay. Awesome. Stuart, thanks a lot for hanging out. And by the way, we have a link to Current in our show notes at stackybedjamins.com. Stuart, thanks again, man. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm all set to ditch this place and head for the theme park. A mechanic friend down the block really helped me out. I got a great deal on rotating the air in my tires. 
Plus, he threw in a headlight emissions test for only an additional 50 bucks. God, that's a sweet neighbor to have around, to tell you that. Old Doug scores all the deals. Hey, speaking of cars, here's the question. How many tires does a NASCAR team go through in a single race? I'll be back with the answer as soon as I pay the guy a little extra for also cleaning out the exhaust pipe hatches. Who even knew the El Camino had those? It's pretty advanced for its time, really. I sure hope Doug also got his blinker fluid changed. <laughs> That's probably right before the trip. Probably next on the list. Paula, you've had your blinker fluid changed. Oh yeah, and the windshield wiper fluid. That's always the two most important areas, <laughs> right there, car fans. So uh, here's the deal: we are tied two, two, two. And OG, you are the latest winner, and Paula won the longest ago, which means that uh, Paula, you get to decide whether you guess first, last, or in the middle. Oh, I get to decide? Yes. First, last, or... Ooh. Oh, think yeah. strategy. Yeah. I'm going to go last. Yeah, of course you are. Len? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder what I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go second. Yes. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> Oh, it's as if you guys I'll go have, last also. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He'll hold hands with Paula. You guys can both go last together. All right. So what do you think then, OG? NASCAR teams oh, in an average NASCAR race. I forgot the question. All right. So how many tires? There are four tires on a car. <clears throat> um, Good math so how, far. Great. How math. long is the average? How long is the average race? Like. 500 laps, maybe 500 miles, let's say. Let's say it's 400. I don't know. Nah, they're probably about 500, right? Miles? Anybody? Crickets in here. Okay. Just you think you really think we're going to help you? This is serious <laughs> <right>. business. <laughs> I did actually buy some crickets earlier today. <laughs> nice. uh, did you eat them? No, I fed them to my frog. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, people eat crickets now, like in cricket flour. It's so gross. <laughs> it's a, cir Anyways, it's a right. circle of life, OG. The circle of life. Right, Let's go. Okay. Yeah. So I've been told. All right. 500 miles. I'm going to assume that they can get about 60 miles per set of tires. So they're going to have uh, nine, eight changes times four, 32 tires. 32 tires. And that means, Len, you're next. You know, I have no idea. I haven't watched the, like the Indianapolis 500 in forever. That's not NASCAR. Oh, you said NASCAR? Yes. Oh, they're like Daytona. The Daytona. Yes, I haven't watched exactly. the Daytona. That's, that's, that's Daytona. One. I haven't watched the Daytona in even longer. So Talladega. But I, you know what? It seems like those guys. I don't think I've ever sat and watched a whole race all the way through. But if I had to guess, it seems like one, two, maybe. Uh, okay. I'm going to say every 60 laps. So whatever that means. I don't know. Uh, Go in here. How many tires? OG, how many tires on a car? He said, uh, uh, um, he said, four, he said four tires on a car. Two, two and a half. <laughs> well, I don't know. Eight pit stops, 32 tires. That's what OG said. <laughs> you can't say the same number, Led. <laughs> 32.1. Oh, he goes. <laughs> hey, nice. Nice. Well played, sir. <laughs> that means officially you're 33 because I don't think we can no, go a I, single time. I say 32.1. All right. 32. <laughs> but then Paula can come in at 33, just so you okay, know. Okay. 33. 33. Yes. You got to go 33. <laughs> Paula goes 34. She makes it the farce it really is. <laughs> Or one. She can do one. Right, also. or one. Good point. <laughs> really, those are only her two options, aren't they? One or 33. Yes, one or really 34. Is. Yeah, there's yeah, no right. other there's option. There's no point in picking any other number. Right. Exactly. Paula, what do you think? He's, well, I guess the, the rule is closest without going over, correct? Yes. <laughs> That's right. If you say 34, I am up a creek. What are the odds of the answer being 33? <laughs> <laughs> Close. Okay, so I guess ultimately, I suppose what I'm guessing is, do I think it's less than or greater than your collective guesses? That's correct. You got it. All right. I think it's greater than, so I'm going to say 34. These days, you can get practically anything on demand, like our podcast. You can listen to Stacky Benjamins whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. Well, did you know you can even get postage on demand? All you need is stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office 
right from your desk. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package, all available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click print mail and you're done. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale. You can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every time. When we use Stamps.com to send out all of our books, it's so much easier than what we used to do. We'd send uh, Caden the intern down to the post office and Stamps.com makes it so much more smooth for us. Saves me gas money, saves Caden some time, gets the podcast out quicker to you. Right now, use SB for this special offer. It's a four-week trial. includes postage and the digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SB. That's Stamps.com. Enter SB. We're also excited that we are presented by Magnify Money. As we do a lot of weeks, let's go here, stackofbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. And today, I know on Wednesday, we looked at interest rates on savings accounts. Now let's look at the blog because Mandy Woodruff over at the Magnify Money blog always makes sure they have some great stuff. So on the top of the page, 10 best online checking accounts in 2018, it looks like Aspiration has the best one there. Wow. A 1% interest rate and no minimum balance on your checking account. No ATM fees, good stuff. And then they have the best in a lot of different categories. And then just below that, best consolidation loans, three reasons to use a personal loan to pay off debt. That's interesting. And then reviews of different products so you know what's best in class and what stuff to stay away from. It's so easy to compare, ditch, switch, and save when you use Magnify Money. More stuff there than any other site online. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money when you're getting ready to ditch that brick and mortar bank. All right, guys. So our guess is, OG, oh, you've got 32. Feeling confident? Because it's got to be 32 for you to get it. Well, I'm not feeling very confident anymore. No, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's too. I think it's too high, actually. Now that I've been, th- I've got an thinking. odd. I've got an odd number of tires, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not confident. <laughs> Led's got to have that pit stop where they change just one tire. One, the left front. <laughs> Earl, we got a nail in the tire. <laughs> you got to come back in. Yeah, and then Paula, thirty-four. What are you thinking? Like I said, I guess only question is, is it less than or greater than? Yeah. So I'm just going to assume a high number and a lot of tire changes. All right, Doug, what do you think? Welcome back, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let's get back on track and figure out our trivia answer, shall we? Here's the question. How many tires does a NASCAR team go through during a race? The answer Depending on the weather and race length, a NASCAR team will use anywhere from 9 to 14 sets of tires in a race, which comes between 36 and 56 total tires. So for our big competition today, we'll use the median number, which is 46. Changing 46 tires, man, don't you think that would be tiring? But race car driver, you know, seriously, that's a job I'd, I'd never retire from. Okay. I'll stop spinning my wheels. These race puns are the pits. See ya. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> what is this? A math course? The median? So I was. I know. I was pretty Doug- much right when I said eight changes, and <laughs> instead it was nine. <laughs> and, but then Doug went, "Yeah, but we're gonna count 11 instead." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know. Where does where does Doug come up with the word media? And that guy can't even say the word blue. I know. <laughs> now, if he just said something like the uh, the uh, uh, I don't know some uh, forget it. Never mind. I'm flustered I, already. I can't, I can't believe you didn't make a pun out of it because roadways have medians. <laughs> oh, nice. Good work. Oh well. You ever, know, you ever see the thing with why we drive on parkways and park on driveways? Park on driveways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, email me the rest of that one. 
And Doug, while he's not pronouncing the word median, brings us down. Doug comes up with median, brings us down the mail. And uh, we've got this letter, guys, from our friend Eli. Eli says, I'm 20 years young. Isn't it cool, by the way, that a 21-year-old, or excuse me, not even 21, a pre-21-year-old is listening to a financial podcast? That, sure it was an accident. Pre twenty one was a, an era of life, right, yeah. <laughs> like a preteen, a pre you can't drink yet. Right, pre just he's probably shaking, waiting for the alcohol, and uh, said, "You know or, what? I got to listen to some financial shows." Yeah, I'm twenty years young and have recently been thinking about my financial future. Good work, Eli. Currently, I'm still in college with a year and a half left to go. My question is: with the money I've saved and will continue to save while working. Should I start paying back my loans, invest in a money market fund, or invest in a Roth IRA, or am I better off just growing my savings? Thanks, Eli. Len, what do you think? Should he pay back loans? Should he invest in money market, or should he invest in a Roth IRA, or something else? Well, you got to do the math, right? So you got to figure out how much are you making on your savings? How much could you make on investing? And what are the loans, right? And how much are your loans? And I think if you compare all those interest rates, uh, that might give you a, a little more clarity on what, what you can do. That's what I would say. What would you tell a Penzo kid, though? Would you say put it all in silver, maybe buy gold I, bars? Actually, actually, I do tell my kids. I do say <laughs> save a portion. <laughs> as you're, I can hear the snickering, but I do tell my kids to save a portion of their cash in precious metals. Yes, I do. Not a big portion, but yes, a small portion. Even, for example, say one ounce of silver per month. I don't mind a small portion in precious metals. In fact, it's funny, Len, when I was looking at the efficient frontier, the way that investments are most efficient together, even <laughs> though precious metals can be super volatile, as you know, a 5% allocation to precious metals calms your portfolio down because the correlation with the rest of your portfolio is so low. So not to get all nerdy, but well, absolutely. Well, that's true. And and I know you don't want to turn this to a precious metals discussion. We can do that some other time. But yeah, but if people are looking to maximum diversification beyond stocks and bonds and cash, PMs are, are another way to further diversify. I like that Ben's idea. And getting the rose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hey, I could talk about this stuff all day, but uh, yeah. So you don't you want gotta, the you rose. Cut me off, Joe. You got to cut me off. You want the sunflower, not the rose, right? <laughs> I, I want the sunflower for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Len, it occurred to me that you live in California, which is the golden state. Yes. And I'm right next to Nevada, which is the, the silver, silver state. state. Yes. Is that so, like a yes. <laughs> Could your love for precious metals be influenced by your geography or it, vice it, versa? Is it chicken and egg? It may be, Paula. It may be. Len's like a Burl Ives song, silver and gold. <laughs> silver that is my gold. favorite Christmas song. Isn't that a nice song? That is. That, that, <laughs> dude, that's great voice, but we're getting way off on a tangent. Way off. Of yes. I'm sorry. Uh, Paula, advice to Eli. So my knee-jerk reaction as soon as I heard his question was Roth IRA. For two reasons. Number one, he's not in a high tax bracket right now. And so if he pays taxes at his current low tax rate, and then invests the money and then allows that money to compound from age 20 to age 65, we're talking a serious chunk of cash. So he, he's got two advantages. He's got compounding on his side from all of that investment growth. Plus, he has the ability to pay taxes on that money now at his low bracket and then never pay a dime of taxes again on anything, including capital gains and dividends on everything that that's inside of that Roth IRA. I love that. The value of compounding, which nobody thinks about and everybody should, but oh gee, what if he has to tap it before that age because he hasn't done a cash reserve? Do you think he should build the savings account first? I like a little bit of savings early and never touch it. And then I'm going to hammer on the, uh, on the Roth because just getting in the habit of saving that, especially you know, just thinking about like the first 5,000 or, you know, 5,500 a year of your savings goes into this Roth to Paul's credit. Uh, if you do that for 10 or 15 years and then just let it ride for the next 30 year gazillionaire. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for the note, Eli. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackingbenjamins.com and on the top of the page, you'll see the questions tab. Just click that. And uh, there's all the ways to get a hold of us, including the Haven Lifeline, where you can leave a voicemail and you'll get the Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt, which is uh, 
a fantastic thing. Fantastic. And speaking of fantastic, you guys got fantastic stuff coming up where you live. Paula, let's start with you. Ladies first, what's going on at the crazy Afford Anything blog and podcast? On the Afford Anything podcast, I've got some guy named Joe who joins me every now and again to answer questions that come from the audience, the community, uh, very much like what we do here, except you actually learn something. (laughs) Joe's that he's smarter than he looks. I I was thinking we actually get something done over there. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I also have in August, I've got an interview with Laura Vanderkam, a time management expert who talks about how you can increase your perception of time. So it's not about outsourcing or delegating or some time management hacks. We have a conversation about how you can get into the mindset that you have more time and start perceiving yourself to be somebody who has lots of free time. I love Laura Vanderkam. She is just great radio and a fantastic person and love all of her work. That's yeah. That's Can't Miss yeah, Radio right there. Great. It's her second time uh, on my show. I, I loved the first interview that we did, so I invited her to come back. That is Well, I guess we know who's getting the rose. <laughs> <laughs> Len, how about you, Mr. Bitterman? <laughs> uh, I got it. This, this week I have something on gap insurance. So uh, oh, yeah. maybe not a lot of – if some listeners haven't – don't know what that is. That's uh, good. Stop on by LenPenzo.com. Nice. It has something to do with your car, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently Doug hasn't covered everything on his car. (laughs) (laughs) Gap insurance too. OG, what are you up to, man? I don't do anything exciting or fun. It's the uh, first of August. So kids are starting back to school in another week and a half, two weeks. It's almost my after school activity time, my hobby that I partake in. That is uh, kicking off... (laughs) (laughs) with a vengeance yeah that's good uh pretty quick here nice one thanks for playing everybody doug take it from here man what should we have learned so what did we learn today first loans while all debt is bad some debt is badder than others first consider if there are ways to avoid debt altogether and then pick your poison but carefully second take some advice from Stuart sop from current Teach your teens about money before they leave home so they're ready to face the challenges of advertising and consumerism without you helping them make decisions. But the big lesson? Don't talk to OG about mechanics. That guy thinks that paying 85 bucks to have your FM radio brightened is a ripoff. That guy clearly knows Zippo about cars. Special thanks to Stuart Sop from Current for stopping by. Find out more about teaching your teens about money at current.com Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and special thanks to Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And... Huge thanks to Larry down at the Easy Fix for helping me with the El Camino. Turns out my headlights needed to be watered and he gave me a 20% discount on that service. I got friends all over the place that want to help me.
Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. Remember, guys, what happens on the after show stays in the after show. And by the way, if you're interested in money discussions, we'll see you next time because we generally don't do those anymore in the after show. We just kind of have some fun and hang out. So I thought, you know, Doug uh, may or may not be, depending on what you think, uh, making some car mistakes. But seriously, we've all made some car mistakes before. And Len, it's funny because you're one of the smartest dudes I know, and you've got a doozy car mistake. Yeah, and I'm debating whether to share this with the listeners, Joe. But Do it. Do, <laughs> do it, it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right, I'm going to share. No peer pressure at all. This is really, I really shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to admit it. I'm a you know, mature adult, and I can deal with it. You're an adult. I can, I'm, a, I'm an adult, <laughs> and I've, I've come to grips with this. And, and I, anyways, this happened when I was young, just past my teen years. And I had my car. I was driving it, and I heard this pinging and knocking sound. And I, I was like, well, that's, you know, that's pretty annoying. That's, you know, I wonder why that is. Well, it, it got worse and I didn't do anything about it. And then finally I said, well, somebody, somebody told me, you know, dude, that's probably your, your engines, you know, do you have oil in your car? And I said, well, I think so. And I'll go check. So I pulled the dipstick out and I looked and yeah, it was full. So I put the dipstick back in I went driving another couple weeks. I kept driving and the knocking and pinging was getting louder and louder and louder. And I was telling other people, like, man, this is still getting louder. And they're like, well, are you checking your oil? And I said, yeah. So I, you know, I pull the dip, I go home, I pull the dipstick out, and the, the thing was full. And I put the dipstick back in, and I'd be driving. Anyways, this went on for like, I don't know, probably three, four weeks. And I'm driving up, Paula, I know you probably know Cajon Pass there on the 15, on the way to Vegas, matter of fact, going up, up the steep grade. And now it's really getting loud. The, the pinging is going. Anyways, long story short, the engine blew up. Oh, no. Yeah, the engine blew up. They get the car back to the mechanic. And the mechanic's like, well, there was absolutely no oil in your engine. It was dry as a bone. And I was like, you know, that's impossible. I was checking the oil. He goes, you were worried. He goes, he goes that's impossible. And I said, well, it was. And he goes, show me. So I went and I pulled out the dipstick. I pulled out the transmission fluid stick. Oh, no. <laughs> I was checking the transmission fluid, not the oil. And, of course, everybody's like, well, you idiot. You know, transmission fluid's red and the oil's yellow. Well, I didn't know So at the time. So, anyways, that was a very expensive lesson for me. One that I, my friends who knew me back then still don't let me to this day live that down. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I think most of our car mistakes for a lot of us are trial and error where we made just horrible, you know, mistakes because we didn't know. Paula, how about that's you? A, that's a pretty understandable mistake. I can I can imagine making that. Yeah, pulling out the wrong Aww, one. Thank you, Paula. Right. Mine was so when I was twenty one or so, maybe twenty two, I bought a four hundred dollar car. At the time, I was extremely judicious about my money, probably a, a bit too much. And so I never wanted to fill the tank because I didn't want to drop like 30 bucks all in one afternoon. So uh, so I would fill the tank in these like $3 increments, $4 increments. I'd fill like a gallon at a time, basically. And I didn't drive much, so that was fine. But because I never took the tank to full or even took it past about a gallon or two, the fuel gauge never moved. And I somehow assumed that that meant, because it's a $400 car, there was a lot of stuff that was broken with it, right? Uh, the seatbelt was broken. The body of the car was rusted through to the point where you could stick your hand through parts of it, right? Because so much on the car was broken, I just assumed that the fuel gauge was broken. And so one day I'm driving and the car just stops working I was like, oh, man, the car's not working anymore. And so I called. I lived in a triplex at the time. This is in Boulder, Colorado. And one of my neighbors was a mechanic. So I asked him, I made him like go all the way out to where the car was. And I was like, can you take a look at it? It had run out of gas. And my fuel gauge worked perfectly. I was just too cheap to ever <laughs> fill the tank. My fuel gauge must be broken. That's great. I've got gas. No, you don't. Everything's working the way it should. 
That's so wild. Oh, gee, how about you? So, yeah, so I got a mechanic to to tell me that I'd run out of gas. <laughs> That's like, and you had to pay him too for his professional <laughs> no. opinion. No, I bet no, your he, buddy he was, was really happy. <laughs> he was a neighbor, so I didn't have to pay him anything. Oh, that's nice. At least it's a, it's a happy ending. OG, how about you? Car mistakes. I don't really know of many. As his nose gets longer and longer. And Man, you hear I, that I, noise I, on the end of his microphone? That's his nose hitting the microphone. I don't know if I've ever made a car mistake. Yeah. Why don't you go and I'll think of something. I'll right. just make something up in a little bit. No, mine, I was 17 and I had this. Oh, I've got one. I'm going to interrupt now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be gone. So <clears throat> I had a uh, a habit of driving a little too quickly when I was younger. Like 16. No. Exactly driving. No. Way too and I don't know. Two months after I got my license, I got a speeding ticket. And a couple months after that. I was driving home from school and the road is like a boulevard, you know, with the median, you know, divided median. And then like the little turning section it wasn't a turning lane, but like, you know, cars in the left lane would kind of just pull into this little turning dealy while to go. I'm at the light in the left lane and I can see this car is pulled into the turning side. And so I'm driving and I'm driving, the light turns green. And I start going and I can see that there's no oncoming traffic. And I'm like, okay, this person's about to go. This person's about to go. This person's about to go. They got to be going soon. They got to be going soon. Ah, ah, oh, no. Back in the car at like 30 miles an hour. Well, the woman who was driving was not also paying attention because she was just, you know, sitting there because there's no traffic coming. This was apparently before you were supposed to put your kid in a uh, car seat. And so all I saw when I hit the back of her car, not very hard, was like this three-year-old come flying from the front seat to the oh, back. Oh, no. No. No, he was totally fine because he was like giggling the whole time. And so the woman gets out and she's all raising holy hell and stuff like that. Well, this is how I learned how to navigate the traffic court system because my dad said, you can't have another ticket. I will cut you off from the, you know, because I got a ticket. The policeman just comes and goes, yep, you smashed in the back of somebody, you get a ticket. It's you. So I had to learn how to fight traffic court the magistrates and request formal hearings and work with the district attorney on all that. So that benefited me as the years have gone on also. Also, so it worked out pretty good in the long run. <laughs> How did you do it though? I did. Oh, I had like presentation material and everything. I was like 16. Yeah. yeah. And the cops like, yeah, he's like, why, why, why are you fighting this? And I said, you'll see. And, you know, you sit down in front of the magistrate and I had, you know, I had a workbook and like, here's what happened and here's the timing of this. And this person did that. And oh, by the way, her kid didn't have a seatbelt on. You know, I had all this stuff written up. The cop had like one note that went like 16 year old smashed into car. Yeah. And so I won because won. I had all the, you know, I had all the stuff. But uh, anyways, fast forward one week later. OK, so this happens. My dad's all super ticked off because I smashed the car, you know, whatever. Coming home from a basketball game in high school, and I'm sitting at the stop sign, and I see the car behind me getting closer and closer and closer. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is somebody going to hit me? Bam! It's smashed into, now I get smashed into, and I'm like, my dad is going to kill me. I just was in an accident. Ugh. You know, pull off to the side of the road. It's just a stop sign, you know. Pull off. <sighs> Open the door. I'm thinking, God darn it. Now I got to take all the information. We got to see if we got to call. The it was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> she gets out of the car. I'm like, mom, she's like, well, your father's going to be pissed off. I'm like, you just ruined two cars in one accident. This is amazing. And so hers was like smoking. It was bad enough that like she drove it home. Pop, 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 smoke coming out of it. <laughs> My dad comes walking out. My dad's a truck driver and a farmer, right? So you can imagine how this went. Yeah, he's got like a bush light and he's wearing gym shorts and that's it at seven at night in the winter time. What in the hell did you do to the cars? <laughs> you guys got to hold on a second because I realized I never sent you the question and, and now I don't even have to read it now. You don't have to email it to us. No, but I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? 
because I don't because I seriously probably don't have one. Because I see all the other emails. <laughs> what a professional! Probably, I've probably seen. I know. <laughs> hey guys, we're one of the top investing podcasts in all of iTunes. <laughs> I know. It's fantastic. Hey, if this show doesn't help anybody, I just got an alert from Waze that said I helped 199 people <laughs> this week. So you're welcome, America. <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.